You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. And again, it's one thing to mistake something bad as good. It is quite another to mistake the Spirit's work of liberating and rehumanizing those who have been dehumanized and objectified as, as an evil that, that, that should be opposed. This is Herb Montgomery from Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 227 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's the podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor might offer us today in our work of survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation. Our title this week is Since John, the Kingdom of God, comes from the uh, the Q Scholarship. Our feature text is Sang's God. Gospel Q 1616, the law and the prophets were until John. From then on, the kingdom of God is violated and the violent oppose it. Companion texts are Matthew 11, 12 through 13. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John and Luke 16, 16. The law and the prophets were until John. From that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone useth violence towards it. It is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. Um, Let's talk about the law and the prophets first. And and I have to confess, uh, it's confession time. I, I used to interpret our passage this week, or at least the companion text this week, differently than I do today. Growing up in a a sector of Christianity that taught replacement theology, I interpreted this passage to mean that the the kingdom superseded the law and the prophets. And and I no longer believe that. Jesus was a Jew. He was never a Christian. And and as my friend uh, Charlie Crable is fond of saying, I'll I'll read from his quotation here. He posts this once in a while on the, the Marginal Mennonites society's uh, Facebook page, uh, Charlie writes, where did Jesus get his inspiration from the Torah, the prophets and the writings? Of course, little of what Jesus said was original with him. His genius was not so much in the substance of his sayings as in the way he curated his source material, the methodology he used for selecting what to highlight and what to leave on the shelf. And Jesus left a lot on the shelf. He ignored the negative qualities attributed to Yahweh, the wrath, the retribution, the jealousy, the rage, the pettiness. He also ignored Yahweh's military exploits, the occasions where God was portrayed as siding with one tribe over the other tribe on the battlefield. Jesus knew intuitively that stories of Yahweh behaving badly were projections of the human who had the humans who had written the text. He understood that Yahweh the warrior is a literary character created by the scribes for the their patriotic tales of Israel's glorious past. At the same time, Jesus resonated with Yahweh's noblest qualities, mercy, compassion, generosity, forgiveness, non-judgment, etc. He scoured the scrolls for passages where God is shown in the best light. These became Jesus's favorite passages. They inspired his philosophy of conciliation, affirmation, and pacifism. Because Jesus was confident that the God who really exists, the source of all truth and beauty in the universe, is conciliatory, affirming, and nonviolent all the time, 
Any teaching of the text that contradicts the mercy and compassion of God carried no weight. It was a radical perspective for a marginal Jew from the Galilean hinterlands, yet it's the perspective that has made Jesus such a provocative and inspirational figure for the past two millennia. Um, I love that quotation. The, the, The teachings that have been attributed to the historical Jesus, they are deeply Jewish. And and here are a few examples of where we see Jesus' teaching directly influenced by his his own Judaism. Leviticus 19.17, Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so that you will not share in their guilt. Leviticus 19.18, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge but rather love your enemy as yourself. Deuteronomy 4.31, God is merciful. God will never abandon you nor destroy you. Uh, Deuteronomy 15.11, open your hand to the poor and needy. Psalms 37.26, the righteous are always giving liberally and lending. Uh, Psalms 103.8, God is merciful, gracious, abounding in steadfast love. Psalms 145.9, God is gracious or God is good to all. God's compassion is over all that God has made. Psalms 147.9, God gives to the animals their food and to the young ravens uh, when they cry. Proverbs 20.22, do not say I'll repay evil, wait for God. Friend, God will help you. Proverbs 23, 4 through 5, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Be wise enough to desist. When your eyes light upon it, it is gone, for suddenly it takes wings to itself, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Proverbs 25, 21, if your enemies are hungry, give them bread to eat. If they're thirsty, give them water to drink. Proverbs 29, 13, the poor and the oppressed have this in common. God gives light to the eyes of both. Uh, Isaiah 44, 22, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Isaiah 59, 15, can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I won't forget you. Uh, Jeremiah 31, 34, I'll forgive your iniquities and remember your sins no more. And Lamentations 3, 30, it is good to give one's cheek to the smiter and be filled with insults. All of these passages show us clear indications of where Jesus's teachings found their their rootedness in, in in his his Judaism. These verses show that Jesus's vision for humanity, what he he termed the kingdom, it grew from these seeds that are found in the law and in the prophets. So let's talk about the violation of violence in this in this uh, uh, saying this week too. And in the second phrase of this week's saying, the kingdom of God, it says is violated and the violent plunder it. And I hear Jesus speaking of of the violence of the establishment's opposition. And in every version of the Jesus story in the Gospels, the established social and political order responded violently to Jesus' social vision. And and Mark, which is held by many to be the the earliest gospel, it, it also describes violence as as a very early response to Jesus. And in chapter 3, it says the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill him. That's Mark 3, 6. That's the third chapter. That's right at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry. And Chad Myers, he explains that this violence is the, it's the bottom line of the power of the state. This is from his book, Binding the Strong Man, a political reading of Mark's story of Jesus. Fear of, or the threat of death, uh, keeps the dominant order intact. 
By resisting this fear and pursuing kingdom practice, even at the cost of death, the disciple contributes to the shattering of the power's reign of death in history. To concede the state's sovereignty in death is to refuse its authority in life. And this may sound like, like fatalistic nihilism, uh, but, it, but it's not. It's the realization that sometimes protest and resistance Sometimes they come at a very high price, and and having to endure violence from the establishment um, is one of those costs. And Rome used crucifixion uh, historically as political or military punishment. It was inflicted on the the lower classes and and the unruly elements in in rebellious provinces like Galilee and Judea. And crucifixion was reserved primarily for people who, in in Roman society, these were people that had no rights. And and these were groups whose, whose organizing had to be suppressed by whatever means necessary to ensure law and order within the state. And and, and as we've we've often said in this series, those in power will use violence, and they'll they'll label it law and order, but they will use violence when they feel threatened, when change threatens them. And Jesus calls us to stand up anyway. And and Jesus uses reassurance this week too. Luke assures Jesus's uh, followers facing the threat of violence. Luke adds this phrase, it's easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. And, and Luke harmonizes Jesus's teachings with the Torah, especially his teachings on, on debt cancellation throughout the gospel of Luke, his, his uh, teachings on wealth redistribution. Jesus's kingdom teaching they they were not anti-Torah. And in the first century, um, assurance that this this revolution, Jesus' revolution would work, that those assurances were rooted in comparisons to the endurance of the earth and 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 that uh, you know just as the earth doesn't pass away easily nothing will pass away from the Torah either. And that held a lot more meaning um, for them then than, than they do today. Today, we're living in the midst of, of what uh, some call climate breakdown. And I'll put a link to a great article or a great interview that I heard last week on, on climate breakdown in this week's e-site. But, but we were realizing that the moral arc of the universe, it'll only bend towards justice if we choose to bend it that way. So, so today, I, I, if I were going to give a saying that would encourage uh, I would use different rhetoric than, than Jesus did to inspire people in the first century to, to keep hoping and to keep working despite the fact that there's violent pushback. We must work for justice anyway, whether there's violent pushback or not. And the fact that we're, we're all connected and, and that we share each other's fate, that should make us engage with more intent, not less. And, and as Alice Walker has said, we are the ones that, that we've been waiting for. And contemporary displays of violence against liberation, we, we see that today. We see, we see how uh, whenever kingdom-like movements are, are taking place or we're moving in kingdom-like directions, um, th- there's this violent pushback. Those in positions of power and privilege, they accuse Jesus' liberation ministry even of being demonic. He, he, and he responded by defining uh, this accusation as blasphemy. Uh, Juan Luis Segundo, he, he writes, blasphemy resulting from bad apologetics will always be pardonable. What is not pardonable is using theology to turn real human liberation into something odious. The real sin against the Holy Spirit is refusing to recognize with theological joy 
the concrete liberation that is taking place before one's very eyes. And uh, that's from his book, Capitalism versus Socialism, Crook's Theology or Theologica. And uh, um, what he's talking about here is, is it's one thing to be deceived by something that's, that's uh, bad and calling it good. It's quite another to look at the concrete liberation of human beings, the, 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 the rehumanization of human beings that have been long oppressed or marginalized or pushed to the edges and to misinterpret the sacred text in such a way that you look at that as being evil or odious. That's, that's, that's the sin against the Holy Spirit or what some people call the, un, the sin that is an unpar- unpardonable. And, and again, it's one thing to mistake something bad as good. It is quite another to mistake the Spirit's work of, of liberating and rehumanizing those who have been dehumanized and objectified as, as an evil that, that, that should be opposed. That, that liberation work is not evil. It should not be opposed. And, and this is the sin that, that, again, is unpardonable. Ched Myers echoes Segundo when he writes to be captive to the way things are, to resist criticism, to resist change, to brutally suppress efforts at humanization is to be bypassed by the grace of God. And last week, evangelical Christians once again engaged in violence against fellow image bearers. Just like in the days of a genocide of native peoples or enslavement of Africans or the objections to equal treatment of women, last week a group of Christians found themselves again, on they chose themselves again, uh, to be on the wrong side of history. The, the Coalition for Biblical Sexuality um, put out a statement, and, and it, it basically it's the repeat of all the anti-LGBT LGBT activism from Christians in the 1980s. And, and, and this statement was a 14-article statement of, of bigotry, um, and, and it was signed by the evangelical Christian leaders. Um, many of the leaders uh, are well-known. Some of those leaders included uh, those names that, that signed the, the statement, um, included James Dobson, John Piper, John MacArthur, Francis Chan. And, and this document has been titled the Nashville Statement, which is, well, the mayor of Nashville has made it clear that, that Nashville had nothing to do with this statement. And, and you can read it if you like, but you don't need to read it either. It's the same fear-driven, hateful rhetoric that has been inspired uh, by by Christian interpretations of their sacred texts that has, in its fruit, uh, inspired violence toward the LGBTQ community throughout history. And the Christian privileged elite has never been short of biblical justifications for in, throughout history. Regardless of the oppression, they've never been short on biblical justifications for their oppression, for their exclusion, for their marginalization, marginalization and, 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 and their dehumanization of, of society's most vulnerable people. And at Renewed Heart Ministries, we re- clearly, flatly, unequivocally, we reject the Nashville Statement in its entirety. We, we recognize and affirm our lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and gender nonconforming community members as fellow image bearers. You are sacred. Uh, we recognize you as being fully human and, and deserving our respect, being deserving of love, and, and being deserving of justice. And objectification and dehumanization, it's violence. Those are forms of violence, expressions of violence. Um, and, and in response to this violence, 
we join our voices and our, and our actions with all those who are saying no to, to efforts such as these. And if, if you're reading this and you're part of the LGBTQ community, you are holy. Our message to you this week is you are worthy and, and you're valuable and, and, and you're not alone. And the outcry against this document on social media platforms like, like Twitter and Facebook, it was swift and stern. And it, and it demonstrated, I believe, a turning point or a turning of the tide, rather, um, in our, our society today. And, and these are steps that must be taken. Um, we have to stand up to this type of, of rhetoric and we have to stand together against it and work to, to make our world uh, a just, safe, compassionate home for us all, for everyone. And, and, and there's still a lot of work to be done, but, but we here at Renewed Heart Ministries, we are committed uh, to doing that work. And, and maybe this week's saying can offer us some encouragement as we, as we do, as we are standing up to violence and to bigotry and fear. Uh, the narrative of violence has been repeated over and over throughout history. And, and we learn from the stories of Jesus in the Gospels that God was not aligned with those placing others on crosses that were responding violently to change. But God was standing in solidarity uh, with the one that they crucified for standing with the, the marginalized and, and, and for calling uh, for such societal changes. And we're not alone today either. We're, we're, we're in the right story. And, and if nothing else, uh, may this give us a little comfort and encourage you just to keep going. Uh, Sayings Gospel Q, the law and the prophets were until John. From then on, the kingdom of God has been preached and is violated, and the violent oppose it. A heart group application this week. This week, I want you to do something simple. As Oscar Romero wrote in, in his poem, The Long View, that is what we're about. We plant seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effects beyond our capabilities. And Gandhi also wrote in a similar vein, um, uh, he wrote, it's the action, not the fruit of the action that's important. You have to do the right thing. It may not be in your power and maybe uh, not in your time that there will be any fruit, but that doesn't mean you stop doing the right thing. You may never know what the results, the results that come from your action, but if you do nothing, there will be no result. So in times like this, uh, when, when we do see the kind of violence that we're witnessing and pushback, not just to LGBT issues, but racial justice work and the violence, that's the, the pushback against racial equality um, that we're seeing in our society today, um, we need to remember that we're, we are each other's keeper. And, and this week at your heart group meeting, I, I want you just to do something different. I want you to go around the room and I want you to say something you value and you appreciate about each person in the group and make sure that no person is left out and encourage one another. When, when there are those who are continually endeavoring to tear us down, to objectify us, to dehumanize, to dehumanize us, uh, we, we have to make time to, to intentionally build each other back up. And then number two, I want you to go home and I want you to journal some of the things that others said to you during this exercise. And then I want you to, to keep those pages and, and read from those pages um, when you need to be reminded how valuable you really are. And wherever you are this week, know that you are loved, you are fully human, and you are worthy. 
And, and I'm so glad you've checked in with us this week. Keep living in love, survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation. Uh, we are making a difference. And, and, and weeks like last week only demonstrate that. If, if there weren't folks that were being threatened by, by change, they wouldn't be acting out in, in, in such desperation. And also this week, before we wrap up, thank you to each of you who are supporting our work here at Renewed Heart Ministries. If you'd like to be one of our supporters, uh, you can do so by going to our bit.ly link. It's bit.ly forward slash RHM support. Or you can just go to renewedheartministries.com and click on the donate tab at the top right. Or you can mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries PO Box 1211 Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. If you're if you're new to Renewed Heart Ministries, uh, you can find out more by going to our bit.ly link, who is RHM, or you can click on our the home uh, button on our uh, 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 website, renewedheartministries.com, and on the drop-down, you'll see who is sorry, Tim, you can read it there. Uh, again, I am so glad that you're journeying with us. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're making time to listen and to participate each week in your heart group. Remember, I love each one of you dearly. Keep living in love. I'll see you next week.